Welcome to episode one of the Aeon Hewitt Pensions Podcast. In this first episode, we'll be talking to Sophia Singleton and Linda Whitney about the Defined Contribution Survey, Navigating the Future. The survey looks in depth at the roles, responsibilities and relationships that schemes have with their members, covering the challenges they face to empower and engage. The survey has been broken down into four key chapters. In each episode of the Aon Hewitt Pensions podcast, we'll take one of these chapters and talk exclusively to some of the DC team at Aon about the facts and figures behind the numbers. Sharing with you analysis and insights, we discuss what is happening within DC pension schemes, what the future holds, and the challenges we face along the way. Make sure you have subscribed to be alerted to episodes 2, 3, and 4 when they come out. You can also sign up for your own copy of the research report by clicking the link in the show notes, or of course by visiting the Defined Contribution section of the Aon.com website. And now, time for the interview. Welcome. Today I'm with Sophia Singleton and Linda Whitney. Welcome both. Sophia, could you tell us a little bit about your role here at uh, Aon Hewitt? Yes, thank you, Stuart. I'm uh, head of the DC consulting team here at Aon Hewitt, um, and I work primarily with employers and trustees um, on the management of their DC schemes. Brilliant. And Linda? Hi, I'm Linda Whitney. I'm a partner here at Aon. Um, the reason I'm on this podcast today is probably my role as editor of the DC survey. So, this DC scheme survey, uh, why did you decide to undertake take this in the first place? So, this is part of a, a regular programme of, of DC research that we undertake. In fact, we did a very similar survey to this two years ago, and we'll compare and contrast some of the results as we go along. Uh, last year, we did a member survey focusing on uh, what was happening, what members thought. This year, it's back to what schemes are doing, uh, because we know that clients love to hear about how they compare with what others are doing. Okay. And I think what's crucial here is that we've seen a huge amount of change over the last five years. And I think it's really important we just take stock, especially given it's two years now since Freedom and Choice, and also, we're about to hit uh, the next stage of auto-enrolment, where the minimum contributions are starting to rise. For me, the DC market is evolving so fast, and employers and trustees need to know where to go next, which is where the survey really helps. Okay. And what, what were the big challenges that um, schemes need to navigate? I think one of the big themes coming out of this and all the work that we do is really about getting the objectives right, knowing what it is you want to achieve. And what we often talk about good member outcomes, and a lot of this comes from the contributions members pay, the investments they're in, and the actions they take at retirement. So for HRDs, the challenges they're facing are around adequacy getting the balance between the cost of the contributions they're paying and the adequacy of savings for their members. They've also got challenges around broader financial well-being. Many HRDs are acknowledging that pensions is just one part of the challenges their employees face. So how do they provide wider financial support and how do they integrate pensions with other savings? If I look at it from a trustee's perspective, it's really about encouraging members to engage with their savings, 
getting the default investment strategy right and identifying a good post-retirement solution. And overall, where do you think schemes are trying to head? Well, I think the regulation has been very strong on focusing on value for members and improving DC governance. And these are just two key areas that we need to look at. So it's quite interesting when you dig into the survey results about where schemes are heading. Um, my biggest concern is probably that one in nine don't have a business plan. So one in nine schemes, DC schemes, sitting there, not able to identify what their objectives are. Wow. So an obvious thing for a scheme manager or for a chair of trustees is just to get those objectives down on paper. We've been actually helping a lot of clients with this and um, using our viewpoints framework. What's, what is the um, viewpoints framework? But it's a framework that we've developed um, to really help gather trust, employer and trustees' collective views on the operations of their scheme. So covering investments, governance, communications. Um, so that we really fully understand everyone's objectives. And what this helps us do is highlight the areas of agreement, um, but also I think quite crucially, highlight the areas where their views or beliefs are different or are mixed. This then allows us to focus on those key areas of difference and create a viable framework for everyone to move forward. It also really helps to develop an understanding of what value means for the scheme and for its members. And that's really crucial when we're thinking about value for members. With members, just going back slightly as well, do you, do you think also enrolments had an impact um, with schemes? Auto-enrolment has been so far hugely successful. You know, it's managed to get a huge number of members into pension schemes. The challenge we're going to see, and I know this has come out in the survey, is around the adequacy of the contributions that members are paying into the scheme. And I think it was really interesting when we said what were the objectives that the schemes wanted. We had people really picking up and listening to the pensions regulator. So 70% said better member outcomes, 70% said value for members, but what was perhaps a bit more of a surprise was that we weren't seeing the increased employee contribution rate coming up as one of the issues there. And actually, given that bit about auto-enrolment, I'd have expected more than a third to be worrying about how that was going to play through with their members and focusing on how that was going to impact on the objectives for the scheme. Do you think schemes have enough time and resource? Uh, there's good news and bad news here from the survey. Um, so the commitment to time for DC has increased. So two years ago, um, comparing to that survey, the amount of time people are allocating has increased by nearly one day a quarter. So that's the good news. Bad news, one in five, 20%, still allocate less than one day a quarter to DC issues. Wow. Good news, 80% were comfortable with the amount of time they were spending on DC matters. But the bad news was, actually, it was those who were closest to the DC pension scheme, the pensions managers and trustees, who were least comfortable with the amount of time they were spending. And uh, particularly the pensions managers um, and trustees, they often cited other pressures on them 
trustees citing pressure from the day job is a key issue. I think this is a key area where, where the market really has evolved in a very positive way over the last few years. Um, there are now some great options available to DC schemes. Um, whether they decide to get busy and do it themselves or decide to get some help. So what do I mean when I say get busy? So when I say get busy, these days, you know, trustees are being having to be much more hands-on than they may have been in the past with their DC scheme. So it's things like managing the governance, designing the investment strategy, delivering support and guidance the members need. If they're struggling with that, as we've seen in our research, a number are, they can get help by outsourcing particular bits, so, such as delegating the investment management to a fiduciary manager. That now exists and works well within the DC market. Or maybe it's outsourcing the whole package to either a GPP or to a master trust. We're seeing a strong trend, particularly towards master trust. Do you think trustees are better educated than they were five years ago? Trustees have really been working hard at the DC space. Um, a lot of trustees have come from a DB background and they've been spending more time on DC in the last five years. So we definitely have seen um, an improvement and focus change from trustees. And that chair's statement has also really focused minds. I think it's, and my experience of working with trustees, especially trustees of hybrid schemes, so DB and DC, it's, we're asking them to be a bit bipolar in a sense. They've got to have a different mind frame when they're looking at their DB operations and their DC operations. Because the one thing about DC that's probably different to DB is it's got to be very collaborative with the employer. So it's kind of having two different hats sometimes when they're looking at the two different parts of the scheme. And, and how does that affect the HR director? We mentioned the, the employer there. I mean, obviously, the so there's some form of negotiation you know, that's consistently taking place with trustee boards? Well, the, and the, well, this is another area of difference. Often, I will generalise here, but the discussions between trustees and employer on the DB side are with the uh, finance director, whilst on the DC side, it's the HR director. So increasingly, HR directors are getting more and more and more involved with the trustees and working very closely with the trustees to really take the scheme forward and move forward because everyone has the same objective, better member outcomes, helping their members get the best out of the pension scheme. And it was really interesting when we looked at last year's um, DC member survey that members really did rely on their employer and their employer's scheme and they did want a lot of this done for them. They didn't distinguish in their mind between what was the employer and what was the trustees. They just saw it as part of their benefits package. That's really good. So what, what, what did you hear from the respondents? What were the concerns? Well, we specifically asked the respondents what they saw as the challenges in this uh, marketplace and where their concerns were. So we heard things around um, regulation being overbearing. We heard things around continuous legislation changes. Uh, cost came up quite a lot, whether that was direct costs, whether that was value for money, um, value for members, um, or whether that was cost transparency. There was quite a bit around um, integration, whether that was with auto-enrolment um, and the increases that are due next year, or whether that was integration with broader savings and broader financial wellness. 
Um, we also heard them being concerned about making sure they were staying up to date, whether that was staying up to date with the latest investment strategies, the latest accumulation options. What did they have to do to stay on top of this scheme and on top of this problem? And something that came up time and time again was around engagement with members. What should I be trying to get the members to do? How do I explain it all to members? What decisions do I want them to take? Or actually, where is it okay for the member just to, to default and for the scheme to do it for them? So what do you think the scheme should be doing? Well, I think the key thing is to set objectives. Really know what you're trying to achieve and monitor how your members are doing against sensible outcomes. I think this will help schemes put in place a practical plan of actions for the next two to three years. I also think looking at where you add value and where you need help. So a lot of schemes are looking at where they do it themselves and what parts they outsource to a provider. That concludes episode one. Don't forget to subscribe to the A.L. Hewitt Pensions podcast series to hear more interviews, insights and analysis from the Defined Contribution Research Report. All materials and resources mentioned can be found at aon.com.